We're back in orange. Orange is the new black. This is Bold Perception. Sitting in a European cafe park type church in the middle of the jungle. The Yucatan jungle. I'm on a little road trip with my friend. She's quite the character. Every time I hang out with her, I find out more and more about her story. Very interesting. Very, you know, open-minded. Not in that fake woke sense, but in a a cool practical way i like it a lot um we spent the night in Iza, Izamol, Izamol, the yellow magical city it was beautiful now we're sitting in merida at a cool hostel meeting people and she is kind of from all over the world and we're gonna get after her she's an artist she's got work in different places does a little marketing online i mean quite the character so natalie can you give our listeners uh, a little background on yourself Hello, my name is Natalie. Um, <laughs> I, I am I am a visual artist by training, and I'm also into marketing. You're good. And um, yeah, I've gr- I've grown up all over the world. So I was born in Switzerland, and then I moved to Mexico. My parents are Mexican and Swiss, and then I live my mom because of my mom's job. So it's kind of like I'm a military child minus a military. So, um, most recently I was living in Los Angeles where I went to school and then started working. And because of obviously COVID and everything, I was like, nah, I can't stay here. And so I decided to come to Cancun and that's where I met Nick. And yeah, we went to Zamala and it was beautiful. Um, what else do I want to say? Yeah. You were in Bali and Florence too, right? Right. I was in Bali and Florence and New Orleans and Colorado and the Dominican Republic. And I think that that's it. Yeah, so this is why I first, like, when he started telling me this, I'm like, holy shit, you've literally had no foundation, no, like, community kind of growing up with. Like, you've been all over, like, you know, on the move. And, I mean, not many people go through that. Can you explain what it's like to pretty much, you've been a nomad your whole life? Yeah, it was funny. Uh, whenever I started telling you where I'm kind of not from anywhere, you were like, oh, did that fuck you up moving around so much? But <laughs> no, I don't think it fucked me up. I actually think it made me, like, a person that I really enjoy being, to be honest. Because um, I feel like I can sort of adapt anywhere. And also, I look racially ambiguous. So that's been helpful. And obviously, my English is very good. My Spanish is very good. Like, I can speak German. I learned Portuguese. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've been able to adapt really well. So I've been lucky that way. Like, it has, like, moving around has been enjoyable because I've, like, I generally have, like, best friends in different cities. Do you know what I mean? And from all stages of my life, like, from kindergarten to college to, to even, like, traveling and doing, like, backpacking and staying in hostels and stuff. Um, but, yeah, I feel like I can genuinely embrace any and tolerate a lot of different cultures and a lot of different um, ways of thinking and ways of being because I've had to move around and it was just sort of, like, a survival instinct, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I... I wasn't ever necessarily, like, super shy. I do like being around people and being social and having friends. So for me, like, moving around so much, being the new kid is, like, you do have to pull some heavy weight, you know, to meet people and stuff. So I definitely had to become very, um, just, like, adapt and, like, okay, like, they do this, like, this this way and this is the sense of humor here and this is kind of, like, the ideology there. So I had to sort of be quick on my feet there. But so, like, what about, like, these these anchor points or identity points? I mean, a lot of the environment shapes who we are as a person so how have you been able to 
you know, create your own identity or I like, have like a safety structure around you because you're kind of like just thrown into the the abyss, like in like sink or swim type deal. Yeah, well, for sure. I think that I, it's hard sometimes to define my identity. Like even, I couldn't even choose a major, right? Like I had, I did sociology and studio art and like now I'm in marketing, but like I'm just doing that so I can travel during COVID, right? Um, but I think... First of all, like my mother helped me a lot because she's very into um, she's into moving around and she's always said like the world is my home. So with the anchor point situation, I mean, um, my mother is the least attached person you'll ever meet in your life. She has zero attachments except for me. I'm like her one biggest attachment. Right. But so I think being raised and I also like she was a single mom. So I come from a matriarchy. Even like my last name is my mother's. And, you know, this idea, like I was already like a, like a deviation from normal life. Like I am not from anywhere. Like also like I'm a, I'm a bastard. Like I was born from a, not a marriage, you know? So it's the definition of being a bastard. And, um, yeah. And I have my mother's last name. Like I was already, de- I already deviated from the normal, you know? So I think like I, I was just never even really allowed to have anchor points. So the identities that are sort of like so defined by our culture at this point in this time and context just weren't really available to me then with my mom being so detached and having had her own journey in life you know that obviously you guys can reckon is was very complicated right um i yeah i guess i just really learned that like i don't need to be attached to anything to to make my life have meaning you sound like a buddhist i love it i always talk about attachment and detachment i think the more you can be detached like the more abundance and happiness you can have like you're not attached to desires but i mean there's also like something to say about trauma causing detachment and you know a lot of like sociopaths are detached so where i mean where's the balance or help me explain because you're you're a deep thinker that's what i like about you we've had a lot of good conversations tell me about what you think of this attachment detachment idea well that's funny i mean i am often told i am insensitive and um yeah and i guess yeah i mean it's i'm trying to figure out if i'm a psychopath now but (laughs) i just I think, no, like, I think it's important to, like, I, I asked you earlier what your values were, and I think it's important to have values, and it's not like I'm, even my values, right, I'm not super attached to, like, I'm, I always say, like, I could be wrong, I could change my mind, right, I have belief systems, and I've had certain experiences that have shaped those beliefs, that obviously, in my heart, and my body, I feel are true, but ultimately, I'm also very aware that I'm a little human being, and I have no idea right i'm a small little part of like the world and my my ability and my consciousness is like teeny weeny and my perspective is very limited based on like my five senses the languages i speak etc um but i is it a superpower to be detached is it always healthy to be to get as much detached as you can like maybe the buddhists preach if that's what they preach no desire well yeah that's that's a good point like i i know i think desire is very very important and i actually think that's one of my main values is maybe not desire but pleasure like pleasure I think is one of the leading things in my life it's um it's all about and I think within pleasure it's also like being pleasurable to people around me and helping others like have pleasurable lives and I think a lot can go into that like health you know like wealth um you know like physical pleasures like food sex etc I mean there's just like but attachment like I don't think attachment can bring you pleasure in any way, shape, or form. Because when you're too attached to something, then the desire is so much that I feel like you can't even really enjoy it. It doesn't really even become pleasurable. Because I think often, whenever you want something so much and you're so attached to it, it becomes this like, like love and love in the name of like control in the name of love. Do you know what I mean? Explain that. 
don't know, I heard it from someone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, whoever I'm like <laughs> quoting. <laughs> um, but I, but it stuck with me. I mean, it's true. I think so, so often like mothers, you know, and like boyfriends and girlfriends, like husbands and wives, like love and like, like in the name of control, we just like control love. You suffocate it. You suffocate. With yeah. Love. It's just like, you're obsessed with, um, with like having them with you and having them safe and having them validate you and you validating them that it becomes like n- the authenticity just washes away do you know what i mean and that's i think the blessing of my life and even identity let's even okay so i guess it really goes into a place of like culture but it could even be a sense of like property right so like you have an identity you have property over that identity mm-hmm. right like you you own being like your name your nick you own that right yeah. but it's like why would you own, like it doesn't make any sense that you, you have to have this identity that was predefined for you you didn't choose your name yeah. you didn't choose the language you speak you were just kind of plopped in there yeah. like you always say like, i'm so happy that my ancestors like popped me in the u.s yeah. you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like we talk about privilege too and everyone's like oh like well you're a white guy well you didn't choose to be a white guy you know what i mean and it's like yeah you can do some work to like become the best version of yourself but there's not this like you have to have this identity like actually like, we, we could all just be detached even if you're just from one hometown and you're gonna live there for the rest of your life never get out of it i mean that sounds a lot like uh the ego you're, you're talking about and letting go of the ego and attachments with as an identity and ego is similar isn't it yeah i think identity and ego are similar and again it goes back to like because it's like you something that you have to stick to and that's the thing it's like whenever you suddenly have to do something you're not doing it because it's pleasurable because it feels good because it's authentic it's because you have to and it becomes this like forceful like limited thing it doesn't become this like you know yeah i think cultural societal um parents uh, the systems in place or what they put onto you to grow up was it called cultural conditioning conditioning and societal conditioning is it can be good and then there's also like the pros and cons, like, you know, reaching nirvana or enlightenment, like getting outside of that, that freedom thing, getting outside of the box and thinking. But I think also it's worked for a lot of people and sets people up so they don't go for, you know, nuts too, right? There's systems in place that have helped a lot of people. And if you have no system, I mean, maybe you go off the walls, crazy type deal. Well, and I think that's, again, like the idea of balance. Like ultimately, I think you're in a body, right? Like you're in a, you're, you're in a, I always call it like a carnal, like you're, you're carnal beings. We have instincts, we have like desire, like you said, desires. And, and I think old, and we're, I mean, you know, like for example, I've, as uh, when I was younger, I hated materialism and I still sometimes struggle with like materialism and consumerism, all that. But it's like, look, we, I am in a culture. I mean, at some point I do have anchor points and I do have attachments, right? even though i i like don't have anywhere that i'm really from but i wanted to talk about like the idea of balance like i do think that it's important to have sort of some control over your ego in a way know like when you're really doing something out of like this limited like fear like fearful like really just like oh and something that also you were conditioned by right like you were poor and your parents taught you that life is hard and you have to work really hard for a living and it's going to be a tough ride and you know jobs are scarce and etc etc you can really adopt that and struggle for the rest of your life or you could really just shift the perspective kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like it's all about perspective and that really can change the game like we were saying an an ugly guy can really have the best pull ever with girls because he's very charismatic and just like has this energy to him that's just like irresistible i like it the balance see see this is the car rides we were having and these long talks where you just go on these like all these thoughts piling out and that kind of relates to i mean what the hell your i think passion is is art 
I mean, you got a bunch of self-portraits type deal. You have all these thinking stuff. It sounds like an artist. I mean, you're trying to get the thoughts in your head out somewhere. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely try to make my work. Like I said, obviously, I studied studio art in college. So it's not just like I just like I don't necessarily just paint for like the like the visual part of it as much. I really love like the intention and the creative process. That's my favorite part about like art. I love humans. I really do. I love like everything, like the human mind, even like faces. I always try to incorporate portraits. Like, yes, I do portraits because I, I just feel like it's interesting to see sort of like the ocean that's within everyone. I don't know. It sounds so cliche, (laughs) but it's true. And whenever I create artwork, like I try to just make layers to my art the same way a human being has layers. You know what I mean? Like, Like you could be a really nice person and you could do something bad and that makes you a, like a like a rude person that moment that doesn't mean that you're not nice in other moments you know like it's not black and white like you're not just like horrible or great and the same thing i think with my art like i don't necessarily do like visual stuff that's like beautiful i try to like deconstruct it and sort of but still make it visually appealing like i don't want it to be like ugly because then you have like postmodern art where it's very like it doesn't even you know, you can just have a square and people are really often don't understand it. I like to hit like the middle where like people that aren't well versed in the art history and stuff can like look at my art and be like, oh, that's cool. That's pretty. But also it has a conceptual meaning and conceptual strength that you can also get into and start like discovering. I mean, where did this art passion <clears throat> come from? Because you're not just a random artist. I mean, you have stuff in a collection. You've sold some work. I, mean, I saw your website. So you're pretty solidified in the art world. I mean, very few artists actually make money when they're alive. I mean, did Picasso make a dime when he was alive? So where did this art really, you know, become you or a part of your identity? Well, that's that's actually, again, like maybe like my identity, because I do think that my parents like put like brushes and like uh, like colored pencils in my hand at a young age. So I definitely was just it was also always available, even like traveling and stuff like that. It's not like you could take like your trampoline with you or like Mm -hmm. your basketball team, but you can always take a pen and paper. (laughs) So I would like your escapism or comfort zone, like your comfort. Oh yeah, for sure. When I'm like, when I'm drawing and stuff, I definitely, I'm, it's actually, I generally feel like I'm meditating more when I'm drawing stuff in or painting than when I'm, or even like breaking jewelry to put it on top of a painting than whenever I'm meditating properly. I feel absolutely, like my mind is just like still, actually even when I'm doing my makeup sometimes, I feel like, boom, like that's really just like this like safe space, like the thoughts are gone, like my focus really is, it's just like, you know what, I get in my body. So suddenly I'm just like really in my body. Yeah, I'm flowing, I'm in my body. And I'm like, I'm I'm also like externalizing something, like I have a purpose to complete, like there's like this clear purpose that I have to make this and fill this in. The artistry led you to la los angeles the city of angels to study art and then you started kind of you know making a name for yourself in this world let's talk about that experience in la it's full of creative people it's full of things going on you know how was you know living in the bright lights or is it is it bright lights that's new york it's new york Well, okay, so yeah, no, I had always had this, like, desire to go to L.A. because obviously, like, you know, it has a reputation that it's very creative and also it's by the beach, but it's a big city and I love, you know, the beach. I was always, a, like, L.A. always called me more than, for example, cities like New York or even cities in Europe because I, I am Swiss, so I could have gone to school in, in Europe, no problem, right? I was, I was stuck on L.A. And, and I loved L.A. Like, I'm very grateful for the experience. I always say that. There's always something to do. There's obviously, it's known, there's food from everywhere and people from everywhere but it's just so segregated (laughs) like even you know it's like the visual artists here and like the stylists there and the models here and like the koreans there and the mexicans here and the salvadorians here uh, you know it's so segregated and and financially like the social classes too i was in la for about five years and the main reason why i left 
even though I, I enjoy a lot of LA, um, was that people are very power hungry, but not necessarily for like money or like, but it's just like to be seen. People often say that and I like, oh, you just went to the party to be seen, you know? And I don't know, maybe people from other big cities have that experience as well. But when it comes to the creative process, again, it lacks this authenticity because you're not no longer doing it for yourself. You're doing it for like the outside. You know, it's like you're doing it for the validation. You're doing it for and that, that doesn't become fulfilling. So it got to the point where you can do something amazing, but it doesn't become fulfilling. Like, yeah, this happened often, like with my when I was doing my my final senior portfolio and stuff. I would do things that felt amazing for me. You know, I was like in, this, in the art studio, like at midnight working and I was like, like I was fucking high. It was felt amazing. You know, I was by myself, like creating this stuff. And I was like, Phew. yeah, I feel like I was on heroin. And the next day I would go and my professor would see it and they would tear it apart. <laughs> and I wouldn't agree with what they're saying at all, but it would kill me. You know, it would instantly kill me. And that is something that I will say with art in general. Like, I think I had the experience of seeing other people not just other artists but like other um like actresses and and models or you know stylists djs also have that thing where it's you're not just doing it because you love it you're doing it because you want to be famous and that is often i i feel like most people in la like unless like people that are born there but people that come to la they want to be famous people want to be known that's that's a big thing and i think that i just realized like i just that's just not gonna fulfill me you know like i yeah that's just not gonna cut it See, that's what's really interesting about L.A., and it kind of relates to maybe the human condition. I don't want to sound like a, you know, crack psychologist, but, like, the facade is, oh, it's super creative, and we're all inclusive, we're super woke, all that, but, like, at the core, it's kind of rotten, you know what I mean? And maybe you don't really feel the fulfillment, or it's not what it's intended to be, like, where they're preaching to do one thing, but kind of relating it to, like, Vegas, Vegas has got the most bright lights, casino, beautiful women, drinks everywhere. Like it's, oh my God, so glamorous, Caesar's Palace. But then you're seeing all these homeless people. You go right outside the strip and it's, you know, a shithole. So it's like this, this beautiful apple and on the inside, it's kind of rotten. It seems like what LA, they preach in this creative vibe, this happiness, wokeness. But, you know, deep down, it's like maybe projection or it's like the ultimate you know, look at me or I'm, I'm going to be this and this is what I want the world to see. But, you know, the core is rotten compared to, say, rural America or like a suburb where there's not as much glitz or glamour on the outside. But maybe in the home, the family, these people are kind of feeling fulfilled. They have, uh, you know, their creative spirit and, and it's they have like a strong core. Am I making sense? You're making sense to me. I think that ultimately L.A. is like... When, let's say like you're traveling like you travel a lot and I always see you like you always say like on my first day I take photos because I just want to remember whatever but you don't have Instagram right so it's not like you're putting it up on your story like live in that moment like you're not really doing it for your like for your identity going back okay. to identity right um, you're doing it for yourself and it happens to me too like and I would like I would take a lot of photos but I do put them on my story on Instagram and sometimes I sit and wonder I'm like is this f- like why why do I care if people see this or not because I do care right I do care if my story gets a certain amount of hits versus when it doesn't get a amount of hits or whatever um and it's just like this interesting thing because actually no one really cares and I think that's the thing with LA everyone is so worried about what other people think and I mean you know that that's such a like a reputation but it's so true I mean we're beating a dead horse with a stick it's everyone's so desperate for other people's approval but actually the thing about LA is that everyone individually is so worried that they they don't have any time to think about other people you know Mm -hmm. and so there it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy because no one ever ever feels satisfied because no one can give you that validation because honestly everyone's too worried thinking about themselves 
Oh, it's beautiful. And that's what I was going back to with the rural America. It's like maybe these people, they have their own validations within their family or themselves, and they don't need to shout to the world. But the, the effect you just said is called the spotlight effect. And it's uh, everyone is always worried about what everyone else is thinking of them. When in reality, the other person's thinking, you know, what are they thinking of me? Like the, the cliche thing I always say on this podcast when this comes up is, like, let's say you're walking with a friend down the street and then you see a homeless person and in that moment you're like oh my god you know imagine being him you know look at that and then you keep walking you know five minutes later ask your friend hey what shoes was he wearing or you know what shirt you'll be like i don't remember so but in that moment it's like the biggest thing in the world know what i mean and then you're just over it most people aren't you know homeless on the street looking like that so if you're not that big of a scene in the moment then a normal everyday person no one's fucking thinking about you sadly <laughs> unfortunately yeah no that's that's the thing but i think that, again there's the balance because we we are i i don't know if often people say we're hardwired for connection or something that's what people say right and i do believe that personally i love sharing life with other people you know like i don't really, i like walking alone and being alone but oftentimes it's like you do want to sh- connect you you know that's the whole thing but there's a difference between connection and validation and i'm not sure la has figured that out yet <laughs> I don't know if anyone's really figured it out. I mean, maybe Dalai Lama and those happy people, but... But actually, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. You know, you really don't. And I mean, the Dalai Lama was, again, conditioned and indoctrinated that from a very young age. I mean, he actually... Did he have a choice to be the Dalai Lama or not? Like, no, he was chosen, right? So, yeah, and I mean, the prophecies and the prophets and whatever, we don't really know what happened there or if it's a story we're being told. I mean, again, our perspective is very limited. And and again, like... (laughs) It's really easy to bullshit the world. Like we're pretty, we, we can we can lie quite quickly, <laughs> you know. Like actually, yeah, how I got into marketing was I didn't study marketing at all. Like I have no idea. Like yeah, I took a photography class. I know how to use Photoshop, but that's pretty much it, you know. Like as far as like online work and graphic design, and that's mostly what I do on social media ma- uh, managing and stuff. Like, and here's the thing too. I'm not the leave at the LA point. I'm not trying to bitch at LA. It's so everyone's oh LA is so fake and this and that. These people run. I mean, they run things. And everyone usually follows them or they're ahead of the curve. And so there's a point to that, too, where it's, you know, I'm talking about it. So it must it's on my brain. So I'm not, you know, super fulfilled if I'm projecting this type deal. Yeah. But again, that's the that's that's the thing about L.A. I mean, I don't know if this for sure, but I feel like L.A. is like the hub of the influencer culture like more than New York and more than other places. It's like that's where the influencers are. That's kind of like the birthland of that whole entire culture. And I do think that was LA's mission. You know, like even how Cancun was built like at what, like 40 years ago with the intention of it being like a, a like a prime tourist location for like American tourists, like mainly. And it was kind of catered and built around that. That's why, you know, like heaps of like European travelers come to Cancun and they hate it. But Americans often come and they're like, no, this is pretty cool. I like it. And that's because Cancun was built with that intention. And I feel like LA has that intention. You could be like super holistic, like super fit. You could be like a yogi fitness millionaire like softer brilliant person and you move to LA and at the end of the day you're still doing it to claim some sort of influence some sort of like power over other people what's the good thing about LA I think it pushes everyone too and it humbles people and it makes waves so no there's a lot of good things about LA but I was trying to get into the mindset of how they kind of act or and maybe like the rotten core type idea but my brain is not too great today i am sorry listeners but you're doing great natalie so marketing you bullshit your way into a job yeah yeah it definitely <laughs> lied i said that i studied marketing and it didn't i really hope no one listens to this <laughs> that hired, who hired me no but i you guys like i don't know like just so you know like pro tip you can always just lie on your resume and just like make sure you're confident about it truly like 
just grab a homie to be a reference, right? That's like most people know that. Yeah. It's very easy to get your way up. Like I feel like we always tell ourselves excuses as to limiting, why, limiting. why we, yeah, limited, why we can't do things. And like, sorry, but there, where there's a will, there's a way. Like that is so true. That is just so true. You can do. I mean, you can do most things. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast on our road trip uh, on Rogan with Jay Prince, the the rap mogul, mogul, and uh, he was saying he always had. A guy with a degree running his business because he thought deep down that, oh, I need these degrees to deal with these people. I won't get their respect. So I'll just stay in the background with the rappers and and do all this work behind the scenes. And he read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And it totally shattered all those limitations. Like, no, fuck this. I can deal with you. I don't need this little paper over here. It's so true. We we limit going back to our our cultural upbringing, um, societal upbringing, religious. Yeah, fear-based. We limit what we are capable of doing because we're probably scared, you know, of failing. But I always wonder, like, is it, like, is this limit, right, and this fear? Because, for I don't know if you've heard that how bunnies, like, inherit the memories of, like, their parents or whatever oh, to protect okay. themselves. Yeah. So their reactions are, like, they run away instantly. Not necessarily because anything's happened to them, but because they have that instinct and that memory. Just fear doesn't have to be this, like, thing. that You don't have to react out of fear. And you can just surrender into fear. Not as in give it power and let it consume you, but just, like, be like, okay, I am afraid. But, like, I think whenever you recognize fear, you can really realize that it's actually not that powerful. Because because you realize, you kind of face, like, what's the worst case worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that can happen? And if you're okay with that, then you can move on. This goes into your big word, trust. We'll give that in, in, in a second. But fear, the evolutionary thing. So I think, you know, obviously back in the day, we'd be afraid of the tiger and all that to survive. And we developed that. But now... We got it pretty damn good. We don't have to be fearful of our life each day, but that's so hardwired into us over, you know, millions of years of evolution. And um, now it's just translated into the business world or what my friends think of me. And that's why they say like anxiety is so rampant is because that fear or something has to go somewhere. I got my food. I'm not worried about the tiger on the street. I'm not worried about this. So I got to get anxiety from some something. And uh, this really reminded me of like Copenhagen, where everything is taken care of free school, healthcare, the streets are safe, it's secure, it's clean. If you're unemployed, you get paid. You know, they got everything they need, right? But they would find something to bitch about or they find something to be sad about. And data trends are very negative. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, uh, I think that's human nature to evolution is like always be on edge. And how we get past that is to what? Trust? <laughs> yeah, it's literally to trust. Well, no, I also think that. Trust the universe, like not just randomly trust, right? Well, why not just randomly trust? Like, well, trust yourself, I think. Okay, okay. Let's not even go into the universe. Let's just really focus on our bodies and ourselves. I think we can. you can focus on the universe and talk about the universe, and that's all great and for sure, right? But, I mean, for me, it's like the one thing that I know is my, my body and how it feels, like my gut, you know? And I think the thing about trust is like, I, I think everything happens for a reason, but not in the way that means like there's this greater good reason that, or like everything's predefined. But I think everything happens because what you seek is seeking you. And that's the reason. Do you, does that make sense? Like this road trip, for example, I <laughs> we go to pick Nick up and we I immediately like run over a huge pothole and like we bust the bottom part of the car and the tires like ruined not just like punctured like ruined and <laughs> these guys come over and they're just like oh like we can help you and i just looked at them i honestly didn't even think twice and i was just like yes and they lifted up the car they had all these tools these mexican guys we were low-key also in the ghetto of playa del carmen 
and then we get back in the car and then i was just kind of realizing i look at nick and i'm like oh is that kind of like a little sketchy for you or like, yeah that was kind of sketchy huh and i was like yeah and i couldn't he couldn't understand anything that was happening <laughs> and but but part of me just like i mean i do trust but with with that being said like i trust my body and my instincts so i trust that i'm never going to be put in danger like i don't know you might you might think that sounds crazy but i just know for a fact that i'm never going to be wounded like even when i was in kenya and we got arrested in the middle of the night i like literally didn't think that there was any way out of that you know we got arrested for i was with girls that were also traveling that i didn't really know and we were just taking an uber back from from a bar we were in the suburbs of uh nairobi and kitingela and the police just pulled us over for being white and in kenya supposedly you have to have your passport and the other girls didn't have their passport i did so I was fine, but they were like felt up and everything. And I just didn't know if the police were going to kill us. Like, I mean, I living in Mexico, like I know that the police can do some really horrible things. So I was expecting like the worst of the worst. But I just knew in that moment, I was like, whatever happens, like no one's going to touch me. Like the other girls got harassed, taken to the police station. And I don't know for a fact what fully happened to them. Um, but I just knew for a fact that I was going to be fine and I was going to get out of that. I mean, yeah, I hid in a bush for like a couple hours, but, <laughs> but I was going to be fine, you know. Speaking of that, Kenya experience you said you kind of grew up in a conservative family then um you morphed into more very liberal and then living in la kind of got you know that's that liberal scene type deal and you took that kenya trip and that kind of opened up your mind maybe to there's more perspective yeah i did grow up in a conservative family because my stepdad is from louisiana and he's like republican republican right he's really nice though you guys and then um (laughs) and then there's my mother who's swiss but you know and then living in mexico but it's interesting because even though she's not from the u.s like she's still very very conservative and the same values that you would see in the conservative party are in my mother and in my both of my families but yeah so then i obviously you know i think the first time that i had an awareness of politics and stuff it was with obama that was you know that's the first president i really remember like the election and i was in the u.s for that and obviously like my stepdad was going for was it bush the one Romney. romney yeah 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 and what was the old guy too, McCain? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and obviously like, Obama's like super charismatic. Like I yeah. do, I do think he's like. Oh, I still remember that sign. It was cool. Yeah, I hope. No, he's he's a good. He's cool. And his playlist every year, like I like Obama, like just as a person. I think he's cool. And so yeah, but anyway, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go against my parents' wishes. Like I love being controversial, so I was just like, I'm gonna just like go for Obama and like fully support as like a fourth grader, I think. <laughs> and then I moved to LA, and obviously I went to a liberal, small liberal arts school in like downtown LA. Like I was super duper liberal at that point. I was, like, vegan. And I... Vegan for the animals, not so much... Yeah, for any other reason. I was going to, like... The, it was when Trump... My first year of college, like, Trump won. So, I mean, yeah. It, like, that's really when things started, like, separating. And, you know, again... I think after 9-11, like, the parties kind of came together for a long time. Like, you know, things were sort of pretty smooth. But then, yeah, it was, like, Obama and then Trump. And boom, like, now we're so separated. But in college, like, I was super liberal. I was going to the Women's March. Like, I was posting all the Facebook posts, you know, like, go vegan. Like, love the environment and stuff like that. And then I went to Kenya and I think, so in Kenya, I went, I had a friend who had uh, worked, did an internship at a place at a women's center in Kitingela, which is like a suburb. And she like hooked me up with this one place. Like she's like, oh yeah, stay in this woman's apartment. And then you'll just like walk to the women's center. And I'm like, okay, cool. The women's center was pretty horrible. Like I was, it was just like very dirty. Like they, they did really good work with the women. Like, all of them had been, like, raped or are getting... Like, they would, like, get freshly raped the night before and then go to the center and by, like, their husbands or random people. And they all had AIDS and... Yeah. But they all had, like, really good disposition. And they were just, like, s- like sisters. And they were hardworking. And I was just like, wow. Like, 
my life has been a bed of roses like it's been beautiful and here are this i i get anxiety and i get like sad and whatever and i get anxious over like you know i'm in la trying to like have everyone love my art and like validate me and here are these women like having absolute traumatic experiences with a smile on their face raising all the kids of like the neighborhood and building a community and like working hard teaching their kids about like sex like the best sexual education program was in that women's center amazing it worked out to where i was kind of like the only volunteer in that apartment so i would have to walk and i was just getting really sexually harassed so i decided to go to nairobi to another apartment that was also i had no running water and like there was just a toilet like ultimately i love camping and stuff but it's different to camp in like a suburban slum it's just not the it's just not the vibe yeah and i'm not mother Teresa, so I decided to go to Nairobi and they told me there was an orphanage there and I was like, okay, cool, I'll go check it out. And there was other people there that would walk with me and it was just going to be more of a, more foreigners there with me. So I was like, okay. And also people in Nairobi are more used to tourists. So I go to the orphanage and then that just hit me like, a, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, you walk in, it's like this shack, there's 20 something orphans and like like two bunk beds, so four single beds. They all sleep in there. I have no idea where like the mother and lived she's like she's not the mother and it wasn't an orphanage like it's not like this official institution it's just this woman with her shack who picks up kids on the street like they don't have paperwork they can't be adopted they all have aids i was holding this like six month old baby with pneumonia that would like drink tea like sitting upright by himself and like he they didn't wear any diapers so there was like shit all over the ground and they would just paint with each other's poop Mm. like it was absolutely horrible and i really thought to myself i was like I want to I want to leave <laughs> and I just like I would love to help but I have nothing to give you even if I make a GoFundMe they're, they kept asking me to make a GoFundMe like give them money and I was like even if I do that that's not going to change your circumstance and I felt so like I was like you know studying sociology again in LA like you know we, lo- we love all the, those like okay like how are these populations oppressed right and obviously like I I was with the oppressed of the oppressed of the oppressed <laughs> and yeah like children sick black like poor bam like all the works and i thought like i i just i i have no like even if you get money or you get food and you get fed like what's that gonna do you know and then i did an an interview with the one guy so the one guy that helps the woman that has the orphans that picks him up is like the first orphan that she picked up and at that point he was 23 and then i interviewed him and he's like well my mission is to give these kids hope and it's like and then he pulled out he's like look at i have an iphone and it's like if i could like actually like i i have saved money to go to college but ultimately like i'm not gonna do that because now i have an iphone and i can go to like i can learn online on the internet and i can give my money to these kids and make sure that they like get an up and i was just like holy shit like do you like you know what i mean i was like there it is like that's it and i just i knew that there was just no purpose for me in there like there was nothing i could do like actually i just felt like i was more detrimental because obviously they do idolize like the whiteness and you know it's just like they just want you to like give them money and they just see you as like a way out and there's nothing that i could do um so i was like i need to i this is this is i'm not helpful here and it's not pleasurable for me again didn't align with my values sorry goodbye but it did make me realize like at some point with the liberal party you no longer like with sociology and like my professors, I love them. They're brilliant and they're great at pointing out problems that are really bad in society and like making sense of those pro- of like the process of how those pro- problems get organized. But I don't really see them giving the world any real solutions. They kind of give the power really to the government and sort of like, like, here's a problem. Like, I'm just going to cry about it and wash my hands and let you deal with it. Like, just like post something on Facebook or like become a professor, write like a like a blog or a book, you know, and do a research study on how it's shitty but then and then what 
you know and then what like and also like based on my beliefs that feel good to me like the law of attraction and stuff like that i just feel like it's also creating more of that scarcity like when you focus on this person like i think i said it the other day like i feel like that was a good example it's like with men right like you have a really bad experience with a man and you can just hate men and say like oh men suck and are the worst and then like they're all racist way and this is why they're the worst and this is the problem and then you can just like be like super duper like angry and have like this scarcity mindset and, like all men suck and i'm never gonna meet a good one and they all want to hurt me well then that's good. what's gonna happen to you forever because that's what you're look you look for something you're gonna find it and i just couldn't participate in that so wicked story that was good that was good no the the practicalness versus the the kind of mind wank and hey everything's a problem 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 but just be practical you know what i mean that's what i think yeah it's good to recognize yes so that's what i think the 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 liberals really do Uh, they're more pushing society forward and recognizing different things but i think you know the other side is gets more practical it's like okay hey maybe i can't change the world like i can't go to africa and change this but i can change myself then change my family then build a community and hopefully that allows my state to my country to send money to africa to hopefully help them but yeah it's like a balance pros and cons of anything i mean put your air mask on first put your mask on first and then you put it on other people you know that that's like the basis of it no 100 percent. so normally i never have these conversations with people unless i know they're kind of like you know we're not gonna bitch at each other for having different viewpoints because that i like to think that whatever makes someone happy okay you do that and what's my right to say hey you need to think like me for me to be happy because it's just project I think because of all your traveling and different experiences, you've really kind of gotten that open mind and, and you're not trying to project kind of your values and what you think is right onto other people. And I like that a lot. And that's why we can have these good conversations, which I don't have many with people anymore because everyone does seem so divided. And hey, you need to think my way or don't talk to me at all. And deep down, I think that's them projecting and that's them wanting to feel validated, right? So, okay, yeah, he agrees with me, so I know I'm on the right path. I know I'm doing it right. But the people that, you know, are kind of fulfilled in their ways or, you know, not trying to make everyone think like them don't need that. And uh, we were kind of talking about tolerance and intolerance the other day. You want to speak on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess circling back to the whole adaptability point at the beginning, I think that a big part of being able to adapt anywhere in any place is being tolerant and just kind of knowing when to insert your beliefs you know in the right moment at the right time it's just like my stepdad when i was liberal he's obviously very um and my stepdad's like my dad right and he's very 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 conservative and he was like he was he was just crazy he was like i just can't believe you're in california like in a liberal arts school and like what are they teaching you you're studying sociology like he was just like going crazy and he would just come at me come at me come at me and obviously it was triggering but there was at some point i was just like okay I'm just like not gonna fight him on it because it's it's my stepdad. I respect him. I love him. He's a great person. And in, this is back when when I was super duper liberal, right? Even then, I knew I was like, okay, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change his mind. I'm literally not gonna change his mind. So in this moment, I can tolerate him sort of like even like making me uncomfortable, right? And coming at me like he's not hurting me. Like all is good. There are situations where obviously like no need to be tolerant. Like I think you know. <laughs> I'm not saying like take shit right no 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 but just know when it's beneficial to talk and when it's not and i think it's so important nowadays to have conversations with people that think differently than you and and be in a place of learning not be in a place where you want to convince them of your points of view but where you want to understand their point of view so that you can hone down your own values and your own beliefs right 100 that's what's missing i think you made a point too where it's like 
some person's uh, um, a Nazi. And you're like, okay, hey, I got to se- separate ways with you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, like, deal with this. Like, hey, you do your thing, but I'm out of here type deal. But overall, it's like, hey, you know what? Like, we're not, we're all born different ways, grew up in different cultures, seen different things. And what we think, I mean, that's what we know so far. So, I mean, you can have that conversation, but don't force it down people's throats. And that's the problem now is just the political scene and life and everything is my way or the highway. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's probably not going to lead you in a happy direction trying to force everyone to think your way and you know you don't want to be around those type of people no it's it's all a balance you have to be in balance you have to know like you have to pick your battles or what's the saying you know you really do i mean you know whenever we're talking about this tolerance like i can i can feel like my my like liberal past self just being like yes but the problems are like horrible and we need the solutions now like it's like crazy right but I didn't change anything, anyone's life when I was in that state. That's the truth, right? And none of the, the authors that I was reading or the sociologists, like, to be honest, like, I, I don't think they did either. So clearly, I think even the fact, you know, like, since, like, the 60s, like, all the protests, like, nothing's really, like, changed as far as, like, the, like, this, you know, like, sociologists are concerned. The problems are worse rampant, now. right? Worse now. So then why don't we actually, like, work together to figure out stuff that does work, you know? That's a crazy point. Like, I mean, well, look. Um, racial tension, I mean, shit, and maybe they're not anymore, but like, I mean, uh, uh, you can gay marriage and you can do all that. So like you, you would see like there's improvement, but the way people talk, it's like, we're living in the worst time possible. I mean, which is nuts. I mean, if you, there was a bo- famous book that came out like a couple years ago that said like, Hey, look, the world is actually the best it's ever been. You know, there hasn't been huge major wars. More people are out of poverty. More people are eaten. But if you look at and social media and Reddit or live in certain parts of the world, it's like all hell's breaking loose and like we just talked about i mean if you think all hell is breaking loose you're gonna manifest it or you're gonna see hell you know what i mean instead of seeing the good things that are happening like right now it's yeah. beautiful you know we're in in mexico we can actually be outside you know like good weather yeah. yeah the car situation is could have gone south really bad but i was like yeah me and him like kept saying trust 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 you know <laughs> and like i trust 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 and actually like the car situation is fixed all is good <laughs> as far as we know <laughs> okay through your adventurous life being all over art world what are some kind of good lessons or practical advice that you could give the listeners to i mean you've been living your whole life kind of outside of the comfort zone that's what we really focus on on this podcast is you know making those jumps for growth and, and expanding your mind what advice would you give these listeners to be able to handle that sort of uh stretching yourself your mental your physical health type deal yeah well first i would say human beings are so malleable we really can go the distance mentally and physically you know i I do believe that's how we're built we you know we can just we can always improve we can always get better that's the first part so like with that understanding right i just like would say always think about be positive so like understand that there is always that potential like i really do believe that there's this unlimited potential within ourselves like as physical beings and within the universe that we exist in like it's continuously expanding i mean and like life is crazy <laughs> like how is an octopus and a mosquito and me and this rock like and this bench like in the same place it's insane you know and and we're so arrogant we try to figure it out like put the arrogance down and and the fear down like you don't have to be right and you don't have to be the best person in the room and you can just like enjoy it you can just enjoy life enjoy anyone and everyone and be positive about it yeah, have a good perspective. That's my advice. <laughs> One point on that malleable thing, we were driving through the jungle, these small towns here, 
and there was this guy walking on a road that looked like it was going on for miles that had like corn like he was had a big thing of corn i'm like damn you know i'm i'm happy to me be i'm i'm grateful and you're like well you know what i mean I bet he's gotten used to it too. I bet he's not feeling like he's mal- like he's adapted to it. It's not heavy to him anymore. Yeah, it's not heavy. The heat doesn't bother him. Like whereas like if you put me out there with that big thing, I got to be dying and it'd be so hot and I couldn't do it. But I mean, he he was probably born there. He's been carrying like the potato sack for the longest time or the corn sack, sorry. <laughs> he, he's used to it, right? Yeah, I've said a million times on this podcast, some of the most happy people I met didn't really seem like they had much. And then I've met a lot of people who seemed like they had it all and the whole happiness is relative. So Natalie, it's been a, an interesting conversation. Um, I appreciate our conversations. You're a good travel buddy. Hopefully, we got to do a little podcast on Ismael, Merida, and uh, Valadia. Valadia. Fuck, my brain. Valadia. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, appreciate you coming on. I enjoy your perspective very much. And uh, what, what do you got looking forward to? What are you going to... You, oh, you want to go overseas? Yeah, I think I, I'm trying to go to... I'm trying to see all of Mexico first, and then I would like to move to Europe for a little bit, maybe try grad school. Yep, check out Switzerland. Keep the adventure rolling. I love it. All right, guys, hope you enjoy it, and live bold. Stop, 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 stop,